Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now today I want us to turn to Romans 8, Romans chapter 8. This is the fourth message in a series on In Pursuit of Maturity and also the peril of immaturity and how we are supposed to be conformed into the image of God and how we have miserably failed in many, many cases. And the scripture lays out for us some beautiful, simple truths that if we can get a hold of them, it will make a gigantic impact on our life, not just during the Christmas season and the Thanksgiving season, but for the rest of our life. And today I want to show you something that maybe you've not seen. I want to show you the condition, or the one condition I should say, of all blessings. It is impossible for you to really be blessed or receive a blessing in the way that God wants you to receive it unless you have an understanding of what we're going to talk about today. It is conditional. When we think about Thanksgiving, for many of us, it's totally misinterpreted. Getting it away from the Thanksgiving for our country and the founding day and all that. But just the very fact of whatever day you say, today I'm going to be thankful. What does that mean? And what is biblical Thanksgiving? So I want you to look in Romans chapter 8. And we're going to stand. I'm going to read 9 and 10. And I want to go back and it, though it will not be. On, in print on the screen would you stand out of respect to the reading of the word and let me read to you verse 8 the little short verse where it's been talking about how carnal minded we are it says in verse 8 of Romans 8 so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God now think about that for a moment they that are in the flesh cannot please God we've got to get out of the flesh if we're going to really celebrate the holidays listen to verse 9 but if you're not in the flesh but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you there's a condition the only way you can understand what thanksgiving is is to have God in your life listen now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now let's see what all of that means. Would you be seated? Father, bless we pray now our search for the truth in this passage and in others. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, we're looking for maturity. To grow up and to be what God created us to be. Christmas and Thanksgiving are referred to as the holiday seasons. 
And real close together, we have two of our greatest opportunities to worship God and to share God with the world. But we have so little understanding from those kind of occasions from God's standpoint because we're so caught up in the world's traditions. Christmas, listen to me, is a reminder of one thing. God is with us. You hear me? God is with us. I don't know if you saw it this week, but if you watched the news, you sure did on Black Friday. The riots taking place at Walmart. Now, I want you to think about that real serious if you saw that. And you saw visual, and the whole world incidentally saw America celebrating Thanksgiving to God with a riot over stuff. Sorry, stuff. Because all stuff is stuff. And fighting and fussing and arrests were made and people were, will be fined more than they were going to spend on Christmas just for being a fool and going to the extreme of believing that gifts are stuff rather than John 3.16, which is a true gift, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. You could say it, he gave something eternal. He gave us Jesus. And he gave us eternal life. And yet, if you were in those riots, I would dare say that there were a lot of people that were carrying their Christian credentials into the riot. Because quite frankly, people that claim to know what Thanksgiving is about act just like the people that don't. We absolutely refuse to understand that when you do stuff in the flesh, when you think, what do I want for Christmas? My flesh craves something. You think for a moment, can you remember what you got last year for Christmas? And could you find it if you knew what it was and did somebody go through a riot to make sure you got one because there was only a few of them God sent his only son quite rare and that son came that we might have eternal life now I want to tell you something everything that God has for every one of us in every area of our life comes as a gift from God. Life, hope, family. The gift of God, according to Romans 6.23, is eternal life. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. This entire week has been filled with funerals at our church, among our families. But in death has come life to others. And some that were here in church last Sunday, and I happened to bring it up last Sunday in the message, there will be some here today that may not be here next week. They are not here. They're here in the spirit, but they're absent from the body and they're present with the Lord. James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights where 
with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Where's the good stuff come from? From God. Do you have it? You know what? A lot of people look at a gift from God like a white elephant gift at a, at a Christmas party. Have you ever been to one of those kind of things where the whole idea is to end up with not having it? You know what I'm talking about. There'd be some crazy thing, a lot of good stuff and one crazy item, and you try to swap off, you know. The idea is to get rid of it. Well, a lot of people look at, at the gift of God's only son, and it seems as though I'm going to do everything I can to not invite Jesus into my life I want to go after the world's stuff and I want to give and tell thank you to the people that give me their stuff or buy stuff for me. And if they don't buy the stuff I want them to buy for me, I'm going to have a fit. Last year, there was, a, there was a video that was out on YouTube about a teenager that didn't get what they wanted for Christmas. And, and she threw a holy fit. And it was all recorded and went out to the whole world after she threw her fit and made an absolute fool of herself, mom and daddy showed her that the gift was hidden. And she felt about that big. The, the gift that she wanted, they had gotten it for her. You know how parents are. But in giving her the other one, she showed her real heart. If I don't get what I want for Christmas, I'm going to throw a fit. How about getting what you need? Would that be Okay. Because everybody needs a Savior. Everybody needs for God to be with us. I had one of the most horrible days of my life yesterday. I won't go into any details, but I'll just tell you, it was horrible. And it ended up to the very second of everything being on time. But you know what? Through it all, I knew that God was with me. I got to wondering if God wanted me to do what I was headed to do. But he did. But there was no time to spare. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why did Christ die for us? Because God had a gift for us. What was that gift? The gift was Jesus. Who's the, who's the gift for? All sinners. Are you one? Yes, you are. Am I one? Yes, I am. But you see, we may not understand the meaning of a gift. A gift is not something you ask for. A gift is something that's given to you because somebody loves you and somebody cared for you and they wanted to express to you their love for you and the thing is just a go-between for you to look behind the gift to the giver. And if you get a real gift for Christmas, it will not be just what I always wanted and what I asked for. Rather, you accept the gift by loving the giver. And then if the picture's not as pretty as you might think it should be, it becomes the most prized picture because of the giver. I guarantee you if you have a three-year-old and they give you anything for Christmas, it'll be the most awesome thing you ever got in your life. I mean, it'll put Michelangelo to shame, Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, there's no way they can even compare with the art of that precious one. In the book of Exodus... We read the story about Moses and the burning bush. Something came to my attention during the study of that passage this week that I uh, really did not think about in the past. Read it many, many times. Some of you may be in the desert today like Moses was. Maybe you're in the valley of the shadow of death today. Many families in our church are. 
Remember when Moses was in the desert? Remember that story in Exodus 3? Here's what I called. He was on the back side of the desert. He wasn't just in the desert. He was on the back side of the desert. I mean, he was way, 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 way beyond being in the desert. Some of us are just in the desert. He was in the back side of the desert. And in that moment, Moses had an experience that revolutionized the moment. It's in verse 4. And when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. You know what he found on the backside of the desert? He found God. Yes, folks, some of us are that stubborn. Just going to the desert is not enough. A lot of you have been in the desert for a long time. You just haven't been to the backside yet. You haven't been back there where it seems like nobody really cares for me. My life has not turned out the way I want it to be. But you see, Thanksgiving is a time when the giver of all good things becomes personal in the life of the receiver and the receiver understands that this is exactly what they need more than anything they could possibly have given to them. There was one that knew exactly what that need was and that was God who sent his only begotten son, Jesus. Everything that was happening in the life of Moses was dependent upon Moses acknowledging the Lord and then obeying him. It's one thing to say, I believe in God. It's another thing to obey him and to do what he says. Whether he says, come out from what you're doing or go to what you're not doing, you just simply say, <coughs> speak, Lord. Thy servant heareth. Isn't it interesting in that experience in the burning bush, <clears throat> it's referred to as holy ground. You ever been on holy ground? You say, I'm not sure. You had not been on holy ground. If you've been on holy ground, you know, surely the presence of the Lord is here right now. I did not think I could go through this. But I did. And God was with me because he loved me. In Joshua chapter 3, God deals with Joshua. Now, you remember, Joshua followed Moses. He had done no miracles, but things were fixing to change. Look what he says in the seventh verse of Joshua 3. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Woo, get that word. Put that and yell on your Bibles. So as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you, Jack, Jim, Joe, Shirley, Betty, Francis, whatever. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I love you as much as I love Moses. I love you as much as I love Joshua. I have a plan for you as much as I had for those guys. But you have to understand that it's not about the stuff that surrounds you. It's about the God that is in you. Joshua did not have the rod. You remember Moses had the rod? 
You remember how he threw it down and became a snake? He picked up the snake and became a rod, but read it in the Bible, it became the rod of God. See, a lot of you are still holding on to snakes. You say, I can't stand snakes. Well, why are you holding on to so many of them? Because one of these days, one of them is going to bite you. And it's going to bite you with lethal venom. It's going to destroy your testimony, your life, your marriage, your health. And the list goes on and on again. But Joshua didn't have a rod. But he still had God. He still had the promises. Maybe he didn't have the maturity of Moses. But he had the same promises of Moses. That means everything. Look in the first chapter of Joshua, third verse. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. What does he say? You remember what I did for Moses, Joshua? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, and that belongs to you. Everything I promised him, I'm promising to you. If you're here today and you say, you know, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. Do you know a Christian? I mean a real Christian. I don't mean somebody's been baptized and said they said a prayer and comes to church. That's not what I'm saying. Do you know a real Christian? Have you ever seen a person's life totally change? Totally, totally change. In a moment, in a new birth. Have you ever known somebody like that? Say, yeah, I wish that could happen to me. Let me tell you something. It can happen to you. God loves you just as much as he loved that person. But say, you're still in your stubborn rebellion. You're still wanting the things of this world and you're still reaching out for them and you're not getting them. You're not ruining the lottery. You're not getting the girl of your dreams. You're not getting the guy of your dreams. You're not getting the job that you wanted. You don't have the looks and everybody's tried to make it such, but you still don't look like you want to. Why don't you stop and say, wait a minute, what am I doing Why don't I just be still and know that he is God? Why don't I just rejoice in the Lord always? Why don't I just stop and understand that there is a big difference in recognizing the presence of God and in practicing the presence of God? It's one thing to say, well, I know God is, I know God is, but is he in your life and are you practicing your life in such a way? Do you go into encounters and understand as you set the goal, if that's not God's goal for my life, I don't want it. As much as I feel like I want it, I don't want that. I want God's presence. So I can sing, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. You see, a major ingredient in maturity is thanksgiving. Now be careful. Be careful. Sometimes we still don't get it. And I say it again. It's not thanksgiving for the good stuff. Whether it's a good experience, good relationship, good food, that's not it. Much bigger than that. It means much to give. And we know that. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But the greatest giver has given the greatest gift to the least deserving, and we ought to be thankful. Not for the gift of eternal life, but for the gift of God's presence in our life. God has said, I will go into that moment in your life that you're experiencing right now, if you'll just invite me in and just relax and let me take control, I will take over and I will guide your life and you 
We'll see when we get to the end how I was there every single step of the way. You remember what David said in the 116th Psalm? He said, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? What will I do? Thanksgiving for the gift of God's Son. You know what it does? It simply releases the Holy Spirit's presence to come into your life. Because when you receive Jesus, Jesus cannot be with you always. Jesus is right now sitting at the right hand of the Father. You say, I've invited Jesus into my heart. Let me tell you what's in your heart. The Holy Spirit is in your heart. Before he went back, he said, I wish it's best for me to go back because all of y'all are going to need me with you through this, this what's fixing to happen. And the only way I can do that is for the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit is not going to come until I go back to sit by the Father to wait for my return that we call the second coming of Christ. But what you're going to need is God to walk with you through the years that you have left and the minutes and the seconds. Do you have that? Do you very quickly have those anxious moments when the Bible says don't do that? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What a beautiful, beautiful scripture. Common question. Starts about your teenage years. And it stays with you through the rest of your life. How can I know God's will for my life? How can I know God's will for my life? Are you asking that question? Maybe someone is watching today on the screen of your home or wherever you might be. How can you know God's will? God's will is twofold. Number one, there's a general will and then there's a specific will for your life. Let me explain what I'm talking about. The general will of God applies to everybody. Everybody. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. Now listen to this. What's the general will of God? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the general will for everybody. God doesn't want some to be saved and some not to. God does not want some to come and enjoy heaven with him and some not to. That's a general will of God. It is very, 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 very clear. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Everybody. What is it? In everything, give thanks. Notice it says in everything, not for everything. Big difference. Listen, it's one thing to say, well, God, I just thank you for my problem. No, that's not what he's asking. He said, just love me and be grateful to me in the midst of your problem. It's a difference. You don't have to say, well, I just can't thank God that something horrible's happened. That, he doesn't say to do that. 
But he says, continue to be grateful to me because Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. God has a general will for everybody. He wants no one to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. He wants all to live with him in eternity. And that includes you. And you say, well, I didn't come out of a Christian home. Doesn't make a difference. It still concerns you. Well, this is the first time I've ever heard the God. It concerns you. Well, I don't even live in America. That concerns you. That's the general will of God. But there is a specific will of God. You say, well, I think that's what I'm asking. Okay, well, hold on. Listen to me very carefully. There is no need for you to ask for the specific will of God in your life until you have been willing to walk in the general will of God for your life. You are wasting your time. Unless you can know that you know that you've invited Jesus into your life, you've acknowledged your sin, you've repented of those sins, you've accepted Jesus into your life, and your desire is to serve him all the rest of your days. If you haven't done that, you, you forget about God's will for your job or a mate or your health or anything else. Because God starts off with a general will, and if you're not willing to accept that, you say, well, I'm kind of a unique kind of a person, and I'm kind of different from everybody else. In some ways, we're all different. Nobody, there's no two of any of us. The world could not have stood two of any one of us. But having said that, there's one thing we all have in common, and that is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. And if you want to argue about that, you forget about praying for those specific things. I want mother to come home, or I want daddy to do this at Christmas, I want this. You just forget about all that stuff. You might as well just go find you a dead stump and talk to it. Because God wants to bless those that have received willingly by repentance of sin him into their life and have asked him to direct their lives. And if you will not accept those, and there's many more, time will not allow me to give you more of the general will of God. But God does not want anybody to spend eternity in hell. And don't you ever say, I just can't believe that God would send somebody to hell. How many times have we heard self-righteous people talking like, well, the God I worship, I just can't believe that he's the kind of God to send people to hell. He doesn't send anybody to hell. He sent his son to die on the cross so that all could be saved. He sends people to heaven. That's the only way you're going to get to heaven. The only tickets he gives are to heaven. You choose to live in this earth and have the hell in, in, in this earth has to offer, and then you spend eternity separated from God. So don't go out with your self-righteous, I'm better than God, and I just don't see how God could do this and do that. God says, don't you worry about that. You're God, I'm not. Just obey me and see what I do for you. A mature believer does not wait to thank God after the blessing comes. They thank God all the time. And let me tell you something. You really know... Whether you're walking with the Lord, when you can thank God when you prayed for something and he says no and you say, thank you, Jesus. That's exactly what I was wanting to hear. <laughs> you have to come to that point to where you say, I'm just going to trust you. Wow, that sure looked to me like that was the thing, the person, the relationship. How many times do people go out looking for relationships, relationship, relationship, looking for a relationship? That's exactly what they're doing. 
But why don't they be still and know that he is God and say, Lord, speak. I'm listening. Guide my life. You remember Paul, fourth chapter of Philippians, verse 11? He said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Have you learned that? I want you to notice Paul didn't say, I've always known since growing up because I had good parents growing up and I just went to Sunday school when I was eight years old. I've always known this, to be content. No, he said, I had to learn it. But I have learned it. Look at Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And listen, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. You know what? When mama doesn't give you what you want, or daddy doesn't give you what you want, or your best friend doesn't give you what you want, God said, I've already given you my son. And with him, you don't need anything else. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. And you can get off of that crazy bandwagon the world is on and stay out of those places and say, I'm not going to go in there and fight somebody over a microwave, my soul. We'll give you one, helping hands will, all right? No crowd. So how important is Thanksgiving? Very quickly, let me say to you in Psalms 50, 50, not 15, verse 14, offer unto God thanksgiving. Psalms 95, verse 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. That means when we get together, sing Sing unto the Lord, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Whenever we're having our praise time, you say, but I don't know that, that song. I just love the old songs. You know what the Bible says? It says, sing a new song unto the Lord. It's okay to keep on and keep on and keep on and learning the things that God has for you. Psalms 100, verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to what? All generations. That's now, right? This is the now time. There are thousands of Christians who have never learned to say thank you, God, for Jesus. He's all I need. He's all I need. If God, if God lives in my life, I know that my needs are going to be met. When I get to where I can't go another day, God's going to pick me up. And one day, he's going to carry me home. When our prayers start abounding with desires and, yes, sometimes demands, for help, for strength, and for blessings. If you can just stop and say, I'm ill, but I know the great physician. He's not waiting for the federal government to release the new medication. By his touch, I can be made whole. By his touch, the dead can come out of the grave. But my banker said, I've extended my credit to you as long as I can. You cannot borrow an extra thousand on the credit card that you're paying some ridiculous rate of interest for because you 
You got all the bills, but you have none of the stuff. The stuff seemed to wasn't important. But God says, I don't operate on the credit system. I operate on the right now. And if you're my child, I'm going to take care of you. And I'm not going to allow you to get into trouble if you'll ask me about every decision that you make. So for just a moment, I want you to look at me at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and I'll have to close. But listen to this. Dr. Richards, who passed away this week, practiced dentistry over here where our counseling center is now. Ronnie, as I called him, we were raised together, Pasadena High School, had cancer when he was 33 years old. Serious cancer. Went to the Bayshore Hospital. Not a good report. We sent to MD Anderson. People prayed. His, his was, this was his verse. Let me listen to it. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Listen, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That scripture carried him through that battle, some open heart surgeries, and I don't know what else. But it was 40 more years. 40 more years. What is it there? Number one, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, Lord, I wish we could celebrate, but we're not going to even celebrate this Christmas because of, drop that off. Lord, we're just going to love you anyway. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Number two, let your gentleness be made known to all men. Number three, be anxious for nothing. And then, <clears throat> in everything, by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And God says, and Paul said, and then God takes care of the rest. That's maturity, folks. That's maturity. The faith is not in anything. It's not in money. It's not in health. It is not in anything you can name. But our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And on Christ, a solid rock will stand, and all the other ground is sinking sand. Don't thank God for this gift, but let the gift live in your life. And he promises, when it comes time to move on, I'll introduce you to the Father. The promise, the peace of God which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Wow. Wow. When you pray with thanksgiving, you always pray with a position of strength. So this morning, I want you to bow your head for just a second. I want you to thank God for your forgiveness and salvation if you have received that gift. I want you to just thank him. Lord, I'm thankful that you forgave me. 
You, you took my sin, you washed it, you covered it with your blood. You put it as far as the east is from the west, you're remembering it no more. I thank you for giving, for forgiving me and forgetting, and God can do both. He said, I'll remember it no more. Thank you for salvation. I want you to thank the Lord today that you can look forward to God being with you for the rest of your life. And that's eternal if the first two are true. But while you're uttering those prayers, the key is God is with you. His presence guarantees his power. And for a mature person, that's all we need. I know he will, be, he will honor his promise. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Our loved ones will leave. Our friends will leave. We cannot call them back. But we can come and go to be with them. God is with us. This is your promise. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, some of you could not pray that. You know as well as you know you're alive. I've never had anything in my life like that, a new birth. Oh, one time I did this, one time I did that. I went through this church ordinance or this church ritual. But I never had that moment of just dying to self. I mean, even during the sermon today, I've been thinking about it. What am I going to get for Christmas? And I hope I get one of these, and I hope I get one of those. Could you today say, this is going to be my day. This is going to be the greatest Christmas ever. That's the reason you need to come to Hope is Born. You'll see the high price that was paid. You'll see Jesus. You're talking about a riot. They nailed him to a cross. He paid for it. While others just stepped back aghast and even the Roman soldier said surely this man was a son of God nobody died like him no one ever executed like him but you can receive Christ today in your life but that's up to you now you can go on with the overwhelming majority and say I'm just going to do the best I can with my friends and group and I'm just going to leave it up to God God says if you leave it up to me here's going to be the condition there's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved other than my son Jesus. And Jesus will say to you, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody's going to come to the Father except by me. Now that's the promise. If you're willing to do that today, you can have the greatest Christmas you ever had and the greatest Thanksgiving. You can end this Thanksgiving week with a celebration. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Would you do it? You can do it watching anywhere you are. You can right now pray. And Jesus said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, forgiven, born again. That's what's there for you. And then you can be thankful every day you live that God is with you. Our Heavenly Father, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit will break through every barrier that Satan has set up people in a hurry people have plans they have things to do places to go and I know father you're not a beggar you're a king 
<clears throat> you did not have to claim your royalty. You were born the Son of God. King of kings and Lord of lords. And Father, I pray today that there be many who have heard and it has been interpreted by the Holy Spirit that this is their moment where they say yes or no. And God, I pray they'll say yes, Lord. Come into my life. So Father, we release it. We're not the Holy Spirit. Our job is only to share your written infallible word. And now I know it's, the pressure is on the recipient of the herd as to whether they'll be a doer of the word. They've heard the word, but whether they will be a doer, that's up to them. I understand that. I accept it. But I pray for your mercy and grace to be patient in this moment and remove out of their minds the things that are keeping dozens of people in this service, maybe hundreds, from giving their heart to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.